the last trivia contest of the year, am I led to believe? <laughs> really? For regular season games. Oh. <clears throat> Boy, we're certainly going out with a difficult one, aren't we? All season long. Be nice. We've been giving you the chance to win Jay's tickets and Blair and Barker, and today is no exception. What you're going to do is I'm going to read a trivia question. You're going to guess a lot. And you are going to text the correct answer to 590-590. And you may win two tickets to see the Jays and the Red Sox at the Rogers Center on October 2nd. Yesterday we asked you, who is the Red Sox all-time saves leader? And the answer is Jonathan Papelbon. I knew that. I think we both got that. Did we both no, get you that? Didn't. You didn't get it. Yeah, I got it. Don't lie. Today's question might be one of those where I want you to give me the wrong answer, but make it creative. No, not really. Today's question is, which Red Sox pitcher recorded the most strikeouts in team history? Shame on you if you need to go to Baseball Reference or any website to look this up. Which Red Sox pitcher recorded the most strikeouts in team history? You can text the answer to 59590 for your shot to win. See rules at sportsnet.ca slash 590. That's easy. Mm-hmm. It's not hard. What time's the game tonight? 640. Uh, what is today? Friday. No. I apologize. 7-10 is the game time tonight. Second game of the four-game series. 6-10 tomorrow. 6-10 tomorrow, of course, because it's Saturday. (laughs) 1-10 the next day. That makes sense, 1-10. got four different start times, four different games. Thank goodness they didn't get in at 4-30 and have to digest that lobster and Filet mignon. You're not a big fan of when, when you hear teams uh, say that we yeah, got in. God, it's a tired act. Dude. That is so tired. Like sleep in. Yeah. Not no. Yeah. You've been on one of those planes before. I have been in the, yes. in the big leagues. Yes, I have been. Yeah, I have been. <laughs> Come on. We used to travel like, with the expos, the and plane. I've been what on one charter. Your, your your pillow's not fluffy enough. Like it's pretty sweet. <laughs> Come on, Rick. We got it at 4.30. We were so flat because of that. I don't know how we did it. Yeah. I mean, there was, I got to bed at 7 instead of 6.30 because I ate too much there was on a, the plane. There was a big crisis. Wah. There was a big crisis on uh, the Blue Jays charter that I was on a couple of years ago when I was filling in for... I think uh, it follows you. For, for <laughs> crisis. <laughs> when I was filling in for Wagner. No, there was a big crisis on the uh, charter. And that was that I uh, apparently, unbeknownst to me, I apparently uh, tapped into some of Marco Estrada's um, supply of Lagunitas beer yeah. because the you know the attendant comes down. It came down and asked me, "Do you want, do you want a beer?" And I said, "Yeah, I'd like sure we'd love beer. What type do you have? Lagunitas. I love Lagunitas." So I had a couple of Lagunitas and. Like halfway through the flight, Marco Estrada comes up to the front and says, all right, who the hell's drinking Lagunitas? Uh, did you raise your hand? I did. Yeah, I raised my hand. Uh, what did he do? He looked at me and just shook his head. And I said, mm-hmm. I, I didn't realize it was it was your private stock. He said, there's only six in the entire flight. And it's for me. 
So when we got to Tampa, when we got to Tampa, they got it at 4:30. I went and bought him a six pack of Lagunitas and brought it to the clubhouse. There you are. So yeah, Barker's not a big fan of the. Uh, oh, yeah. No, I'm not. A big fan Absolutely of the. Absolutely We got into Tampa at 4:30. We were tired. Thing. No, I rode a bus with a buddy sitting beside me for 18 hours and got off the bus straight to the on deck circle. So <laughs> no. Sorry for me not feeling sorry for a dude eating a filet and not getting to sleep till five o'clock. <laughs> I mean, back in the Get day. Get over it. Yeah, let's bring in Jeff Passan, someone who is no stranger to not getting to sleep until five <laughs> o'clock in the morning. Jeff Passan of them, MLB. MLB Insider with ESPN. How you doing, Passan? I went to bed at 12.30 last night. Nice. It was glorious. Oh, it's tremendous. Yeah. It's this time of year. It's uh, sleep is at a premium. I always, and I, I always, when, when the media business changed and there were more and more, more and more emphasis on, on online stuff, I always used to feel bad for guys like you and Olney and, and Rosenthal and these guys, because the rest of us print guys... Yeah, the rest of us print guys would be going off to the to the bar during the playoffs because we were done at midnight and you guys were coming up from your interviews and you still had like two hours yep. worth of writing left. I really did feel bad for you for about two minutes and then I forgot about it. <laughs> I was going to say, then you had a Lagunitas and you forgot my name. Then I did pretty much. Lagunitas does have a tendency to make you... The Forget. legend is if you have too much of it, there's a... There's, there's a, uh, there, there's a there was is a woman... a thing called a hangover? No, yeah, no. Yeah. that's there, what it's called. No, there's yes. a, the legend is that back in the day, the the logo used to include a woman in a in a uh, you know one of those Hawaiian dresses, and the legend was that they kind of did something to the label, so that if you did drink too much, it almost looked like she was swaying. <laughs> I'm serious. That, no, that's what Mar I swear to God, Marco Strata told me. He said back in the day, if you drank too much of that, you would look at it and. It, because they did something funky with the label, you know, like they had those, I don't know. you know, Like those, a magic eye thing? Being, yeah, something like that. Drunk. Yeah. It's called drunk. Anyhow, I thought it was kind of cute. Uh, but that's just me. Cute. I, well, I get, I get amused by it. I get amused. <laughs> that's cute. I get amused, I get amused by stuff like that. Uh, I really do get amused by it. Uh, hey, so, uh, Mr. Passon, um, is there any point in not just playing the World Series right now and having the Dodgers and Astros play a best of 40 or something like that. <laughs> best of 40. That, that would be really fun, wouldn't it? It would. And I'm sure and I'm sure that the Astros probably have 38 different starting pitchers rattling around someplace, so they wouldn't even be able to do that. But, I mean, it, it seems as if there's a pretty high separation right now, isn't there, between those two teams and everybody else? No, I don't. I don't think that the Dodgers have an enormous separation with uh, Atlanta. Okay. Mm. I, I, I just think the like. Let's look at who the Braves have. Their rotation is Max Fried, who I think if he's not an ace, um, then he's about as close as you can get. Spencer Strider, who's awesome. Um, Kyle Wright, who's maybe taken as big of a leap as anyone this year. And if Charlie Morton is your four, and I, I think he's probably ahead of, of Wright just in the same way, you know, that Robbie Ray would be ahead of Logan Gilbert and George Kirby or 
uh, you know, bringing it local, Barrios might be ahead of Stripling. I don't know at this point if, if you can make that argument, but uh, there, there's the potential for that just because of pedigree. Um, Atlanta's rotation is really good. Atlanta's bullpen is incredibly deep, and Atlanta offensively, um, they, they don't go tit for tat with the Dodgers, but uh, I'd stack their offense up against most in all of baseball. So uh, the the fact that we could potentially get that in the NLCS, that you know, that feels like a World Series before the World Series, and. Hell, I, I mean, Atlanta might be out after the wild card round. We we just have to we have to recognize the nature of basketball, uh, baseball, and that it is different than basketball and football and other sports. In that, um, you know, in, in baseball, the best teams lose about forty percent of the time. And when you're talking about a short series, three gamer in the wild card, five in the division series, even seven in the LCS and World Series. There's a lot of variability that can happen there, and the best team doesn't always win, let alone get to the World Series. Whenever I look at the Astros, I think of Altuve, I think of Brantley, I think of Alvarez. Do we give Kyle Tucker enough credit? No, Kyle Tucker is a really, really good baseball player who uh, has greatness inside of him and shows flashes of it all the time. And let's not forget about Alex Bregman, who's had a – resurgent season this year but the I, I think that the Astros are going to live and die on their pitching and I'm going to be fascinated to see how Dusty Baker takes this plethora of arms he's got now and utilizes them because in the rotation you know you're going to have Verlander you know you're going to have Framber Valdez um, but a guy like Lance McCullers who's been great since he's come back well, we've seen him in relief roles before. So is he going to be that guy who can uh, either be a bridge to or maybe end of the game with Ryan Presley and Ryan Stanek, uh, Christian Javier, a guy who was a reliever up until this year, same thing. Um, the, the way that the Astros deploy their pitching is one of the more fascinating storylines to me this October. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, let's get – Talking about important stuff, entrance music. Uh, your article on ESPN. Talk only you would talk to the Undertaker about the significance of of, of entrance hey, music. Hey, let me ask. Let me ask I you. What did you great. think of that? Be- oh, I loved it. Okay. No, no, no. I'm listen. Right. No, I because I'll, I'll tell you the reason I asked. Uh, one of Mr. Barker's uh, career highlights was facing Trevor Hoffman. Yeah, no, actually, I'm, I'm just kidding. He, he, you, but you and Trevor used to go running together when Absolutely. you had your brief time with with with. Padres. The Padres. Mm-hmm. And, of course, he came into Hell's Bells, and I remember that was a big deal. The, the Hell's Huge. Bells entrance thing was yeah. a big deal. Of course, Mariano Rivera had entered Sandman yep. and all that. But I think we're, we're going to see guys take it to another level. We've started to see it this year. And, and I got a concern about this, Jeff. Is the pitch clock, is that going to interfere <laughs> with all this fun stuff? That, That's a great question. That we like. I mean, even even hitters walk up music. You know, Matt Chapman is into roots reggae, and I I loved. I talked to him at length about his walk up music, and a lot of guys put some thought into this. They don't just sort of go through the MP3 player and go, "That's good. I'm going to play that." Um, it's 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 a thing, isn't it? It really is. If it, where it is not a thing, it should be a thing, because. Uh, Listen, anything baseball can do to connect with fans is a plus in my eyes. And 
when you see the way that Mets fans react to Edwin Diaz and Narco, when you see the way that Orioles fans react to Omar oh, Little's whistle I followed by O Fortuna for Felix Bautista, when you see the lights at Bush Stadium turn red and just bathe the field when Ryan Helsley comes in, um, I, you know, in, in the story – there's a line where I say the ninth inning is a show and the closer is the showman. And I think embracing that idea, look, you're already embracing the idea of getting the three most difficult outs to get in the game. And I understand, yes, sometimes the leverage situation is going to be higher in the eighth inning, but there's a psychological element about those final three outs that I really do believe exists. It's difficult to quantify it's difficult to say, yes, these three outs are tougher because they're the final. They just are. You know, I, when I, sometimes you talk to players and they say stuff and you're like, eh, you know, that's just narrative. Sometimes you talk to guys and you're like, I believe what you say. And every relief pitcher I've ever talked to says those final three outs are just different. Yeah. And I had, I admit, I had no idea reading, reading your article. I had no idea that, that Sparky Lyle was, yeah, that was kind of the, was kind of at the start of this thing with the playing of pomp and circumstance. And he didn't like it because as you said, his quote was, why the F are they playing a song for this guy? Right. If he, if he blew a game, but then he eventually, yeah. he eventually agreed with it. But I forgot, I had no idea about that, that they actually had the Yankees sort of the, you know the Yankees, the pinstripe, the dudes with no names in the back of their of their jerseys. They they were one of the first to have walkout music. I had no idea. Yeah, well, listen, I I think that this this in the end, what we do, what we're talking about here, we can't look past the fact that this is an entertainment business. Mm-hmm. And if you can do something that entertains, excites, engages fans. I think it's your duty to do it. And there is no better place than baseball in the ninth inning to take advantage of that. And, uh, the, you know, the, when I was thinking about this, when I, when I had this story idea, there had been a lot written about Edwin Diaz and about just how cool uh, him coming in to, to Narco and the Trumpets is. But I, I wanted with this story to – delve a little deeper and get into the into the head of the men who are walking out and what it's like and i thought there's nobody better nobody who knows more about what it's like to walk out to a theme and an adoring crowd than the undertaker and uh you know, career highlight getting to talk to him he was awesome he was absolutely great don't you have to be good to have a walk-up song you have to be good. No, right? no, I didn't have no. one. No. You know, Kevin Barker coming up in the fourth inning to a walk-up song does really? Like, you have to be good. I would think you have to be good. Listen, dress for the part that you want, not for the part that you occupy. <laughs> yeah, I guess. That's yeah. uh, look that's... at me. I'm over three. Look, <laughs> that's uh, it's tough. It's tough. You know, I never had one. It's hard. You never had a walk-up song. No chance. Not even a Virginia no, Tech? I wanted, no, well, you I didn't know what the school song him. was, a Virginia sneak up Tech. On him. So. All right. I was going to say, with, with your with your career line, Kevin, if you were a player these days, it would just be the Curb Your Enthusiasm music. <laughs> <laughs> it, just goes, <laughs> it would be. That's it. That's it. That's exactly what it would be. That's awesome. <laughs> 
awesome. That is terrific. I mean, the uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates when they're at Three River Stadium, you yeah, you would might re- remember this, Jeff. But when the Pirates were at, played at Three River Stadium, their organist was famous for coming up with with individual little things for players. Like Moises Alou would come to the plate, he'd play. Here comes the sun, you know. And I mean, it was seriously no, it was it, and 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 it was. Uh, I think his name was Vic. Vic Larshide or something like that, but he would, and that was a thing. You'd want to hear, you'd want to hear what he'd play for each guy, and and uh, it was, uh, yeah. it was, it was cool. It was a lot. Of, I wanted to be sneaky. A lot of fun. Yeah, I know you wanted yeah. to be sneaky. Get in, get out. That's it. You didn't want any walk-up music and no Pawtucket either. No I don't blame chance. You. Um, <laughs> hey, what? When did the Cleveland Guardians uh, kind of realize Jeff that they're good enough to win? To win the central because it's i think it's well, I'll, we I'll, don't talk about it it's I'll, a terrific story man it's a terrific story yeah i'll tell you the answer is not opening day and i say this because cleveland was in kansas city that day and i went to the ballpark and i'm in terry francona's office before the game and and you like you know tito by now he he undersells sometimes a little bit what he's got. Yeah. And he's he's like, you know, we can pitch, but God, we cannot hit. <laughs> I'm like, whoa. <laughs> he's like, but we but what we do, I'll tell you who I really like. I really like this Quan kid. And he was yeah. talking about Stephen Quan, who it turns out is a very good, very good baseball player. I'm not going to say that Stephen Kwan is Michael Brantley, but he's got a Michael Brantley starter kit. I don't know if he's ever going to hit for some of the power Brantley did, but if you go and look at Brantley's baseball reference page, I think maybe one time he had a slugging percentage over 500. What he's always done is make contact and make good swing decisions. And watching Stephen Kwan at the plate, I just love watching his at-bats. He's so in control up there. He knows the strike zone so well, and he's not a guy who's tooled up or who's as physically talented as, you know, 90% of the hitters in the big leagues. He's just better than 90% of the hitters in the big leagues at the art of swinging the bat. Yankees 8-2 and two in their last 10. What should I read into that? They're getting healthy. Uh, 100%, 100% reflection of who they have back in their lineup. When they were in that swoon there for a while – one time, Aaron Boone batted Isaiah Kiner-Falefa cleanup. If you're batting IKF, who's normally in the nine hole, uh, fourth, then clearly you're banged up. And so they've gotten back Josh Donaldson, who had the walk-off hit last night. They've gotten back Giancarlo Stanton, Anthony Rizzo. They're probably going to be getting back D.J. LeMayhew. There's a chance Matt Carpenter comes back. And at the center of this whole thing, this whole time, has been Aaron Judge, who's having one of the greatest seasons of all time. And that is not recency bias. That is just fact that, that he is doing this in New York, that he is doing this in his walk year, that he is doing this at times surrounded by a bunch of guys who may not even belong in the big leagues and that he kept the Yankees afloat in the fashion that he did. Um, uh, listen, I have a really, really hard time. And, and I think this, this is where I've fallen on the Judge Otani debate. I have a really hard time thinking anyone is ever more valuable than Shohei Otani. He is two players in one and two elite 
players in one. If he is just a designated hitter, he might be the best in the big leagues. If he is just a starting pitcher, he is one of the ten best in the big leagues. He's both. So in order to have a better year than Shohei Otani, which I do believe Aaron Judge is having right now, you have to be having one of the all-time great seasons. Otani is my MVP in just about any other year. You can make a pretty good argument that his season this year is even better than it was when he won MVP last year over Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who still still seems to be kind of salty over the whole thing. Um but Aaron Judge this year, uh, he's the guy. Uh, and it's not going to be unanimous, but I do think he's going to win by a pretty clear margin. Uh, the Jays manager, John Schneider, said yesterday that uh, if if it comes down to needing Alec Manoa to pitch for home field advantage in that final series in Baltimore or n- wanting to keep him for a playoff start, he would rather have yep. Manoa pitch for home field, and then with the playoffs roll around, you go with Barrios or Gossman, Stripling, Barrios, whomever. Do you like that approach? Uh, you know, I was thinking about it earlier today when I when I saw your tweet, and I hadn't given it a whole lot of thought, and I'm still not sure where I come down on this. Um, if it is any other organization maybe not any other, but a vast majority of other organizations, I say pocket him. But I've been in Toronto for the playoffs. And let me tell you guys, you you know this, it might be the best atmosphere in baseball. Mm-hmm. It really might. Like Rogers Center, when it is packed and there are there's real stakes on the line, man, that home field advantage is just, so huge but but in a three game series where if you lose game one if kevin gosman loses and you got to win back to back with stripling and barrios as opposed to manoa and stripling or manoa and barrios boy you're, you're putting yourself at a real disadvantage because when alec manoa goes on the mound you're expecting to win that game and and what happens if Manoa pitches for home field advantage and the Jays' offense doesn't show up that day and you don't get home field advantage and you lose Manoa? Like, that is truly the worst-case scenario right there. And as we know, in any baseball game, even when you have a pitching advantage, you know, what are the odds? 60-40 at best that you're going to win the game? Right. So I think my instinct says you try and win with someone else to get home field and keep Manoa for the postseason. Um, but I understand if John Schneider tries to go that way if he's put in that position. Mr. Passon, it's always great mm-hmm. of you to join us. Thanks so much. Great stuff. Gentlemen, have a great weekend. Appreciate you it. You too. It's Jeff Passon of ESPN. We should have music for Passon. We should. We should. That's a, it, 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 I mean, Jeff, what Jeff was talking about with John Schneider's decision, it's the same thing we were walking through. Yeah. It's... Um, well, you know what, and, and uh, because we're going to take a break before Barker's back leg bits, I'll ask you, and we can also five ninety five ninety is a text line. How I'll I'll ask the listeners, the viewers, how would you play it if you were John Schneider? How would you play this out? Would you risk not having Alec Manoa make a start in that first series in order to gain home field advantage, or are you thinking 
as long as I'm in the playoffs, I want Alec Manoa starting the first game for me or the second game for me. So your decision is very simple. And understanding there's no guarantee that even if you make the start, if you don't win that game, then one, you don't have home field advantage. And two, you don't have Alec Manoa available for the playoffs. So there's a couple of ways this thing could go. The question for listeners and viewers, how would you play it? What's more important to you, home field advantage or having Alec Manoa ready to go? Great question. For game one and game two. I'm both Barker and myself, I think we're on the side of home field advantage. I am. Thousand percent. Especially given the fact that the teams you're going to be facing, you have you've not you've not had a great record against them this year, and you've had difficulty scoring runs, and you've got to think that maybe your chances and I also like what Pat Tabler has said for the last three days. I want to have the last at bat. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of having the last at bat. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of managing the game, knowing that whatever happens my guys are going to get last crack at the plate. So how do you feel about that? 590-590 is a text line. SN Jeff Blair is my Twitter handle. Weigh in on that. We'll get to your texts. We'll get to your uh, DMs. We'll get the Barker's back leg bits when we come back. It's Blair and Barker on 590-360 and wherever you get your favorite podcast. Starting Monday, be sure to tune into the J.D. Bunkus podcast weekday mornings at 9 on Sportsnet 590 The Fan or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. All right, a couple of things to get to. Yes, I did say MP3 player <laughs> in my interview past senior moment. A couple of people said an entire generation doesn't know what that is. And I said, even the generation that knows what it is isn't entirely certain what it is. But anyhow, thanks for those of you who are listening and appreciate uh, and are, are able to laugh along with me. Mm. Um, a little more serious note. Friend of the show, Mike Soroka, uh, who we've had on a couple of times. Of course, he's the Braves pitcher from uh, Calgary who's had two Achilles injuries and was attempting, well, he was attempting a comeback. He was attempting to get himself healthy, essentially, for the offseason. He was shut down by the Atlanta Braves because of put on the IL with elbow discomfort uh, yesterday. So... Uh, Keep at it, kid. Yeah. That's the only thing. That's the only thing. And I know Mike listens. You're only 25. To the show. So I mean, keep Hang at it. There. It's the only thing I can say. Yeah, I don't know what to say. And uh, we will get you on. I promise you, we'll get we'll get you on after your your next start. And hopefully, we're talking. No hopefully, we're talking March or April next year. Um, it's time for Barker's back leg bits. That part of the show where we uh, so solicit texts and uh, direct messages. For Barker, and I, I gave you a little bit of an assignment. Um, actually, I gave people an assignment. That's for Monday. For, the, for Monday, about whether or not Aaron Judge's season is the best baseball season you've seen. So I'm going to reiterate that. I might even send it out, and that means I'm going to have to go on Twitter in the weekend, which I don't like to do. But I may make an exception for this. I might send out a tweet on the weekend reminding you that we're going to talk about it on Monday, whether or not Aaron Judge's season is the best season you've seen we've seen 
from a baseball player. Uh, the question I asked you here before the last break is, do you agree with John Schneider's assessment that it's so important to get to be the home team for the, for the wild card? And understand, all three games... All three games are in Toronto. So it's not like it's not two in Toronto, then one in the... It's nothing like that. You're playing all three games in Toronto. So you're getting home field advantage for three games uh, of that first round series. Is it more important to do that or more important to ensure that you have Alec Manoa ready for the playoffs? I see both sides of the argument. Um, I am leaning towards... Having Alec Manoa. See, I originally said when I came in, I want Alec Manoa to start the playoff game. Mm-hmm. But nah, home field. How many people are ever going to? How, how many people are ever going to go? Oh, do you believe it? We got home field advantage in the playoffs. <laughs> Nobody. Jesus. Nobody. It doesn't even really matter. It doesn't really matter who you're playing. Uh, you want. Um, you want home field. Mm-hmm. You want home field advantage. So he asked you that. Uh, Jeffrey Rainey saying, I didn't really know which way to go regarding the Manoa playoff scenario until you brought up Pat Tabler's point about having the last at bat at home. I think this is why John Schneider's managing the team and we're not. I mean, it is, it's it's obvious you're going to get last at bat, but Kevin, as you pointed out, a team that has a difficult time, has had a difficult time scoring runs against these, against these teams that they're going to be playing at least mm-hmm. a difficult time this year scoring runs. Yep. Home field advantage would it, no brainer. It would count for me yeah. anyway. Yeah. Every, everything's more comfortable. You're used to all parts of the field. If you're a hitter, you know how hard you have to hit a ball the other way, create backspin, like everything that goes into you being comfortable. Does the crowd make a difference? Absolutely. Okay. See, Absolutely I, it right, does. All right. See, I now, don't, I've never, played, I never, I've never been in a playoff game, but I've been in some winter ball games where people stand on the roof. Right. See, I always assume, you know what? Going crazy. Yeah, but that's because they may have guns in winter ball. No, that's on the field. Oh. Protection. I, I've always kind of wondered about the impact of a crowd in baseball. Johnny Cueto? Johnny, well, and then and then you you went where I was no, going to go. Say. Johnny Cueto dropping the ball on the mound in Pittsburgh because of crowd. And then here, folks got in his ass here, if you remember. Just think and about it, next and year. It, and it made a difference. Next year, pitch clock. 13. Yeah, that, well, 14, that's next year, yeah. 12, 14. 6, <laughs> 9, 10. Everybody. Yeah. Uh, but but this year, I mean, I guess. I just did it. Does the crowd make the fastball go faster does it increase your ability it could to make you grip the bat tighter it could make I you guess. not want to mess up I to guess. try harder you know what you do when you try harder you stink so yeah mm-hmm. so a lot of folks weighing in in this they're they're uh they're on side with john schneider's decision they're on board with john schneider's Decision about that. What are some other things people talking about? Alec the Anvil. Why aren't you guys as worried about the Orioles as I am? All they have to do is make up two and a half games in the Jays in the next nine games. Jays are a better team. Yeah, and Why? there's also there's too many there's too many teams between them and and and, and the Jays. Can't it's think just, about everything. Yeah, and I I don't. Like, I mean, I'll right put it this way: you. you know, if the Orioles, yeah, for the Orioles to make the playoffs, it doesn't necessarily mean that the Jays would be the team out. I mean, I'd go. be more worried about the the Orioles if I was 
the Rays or the Mariners, to be honest. Mm. Especially the Rays. The Rays have got teams that are playing for something. We we need to remember that. The Rays have got they got the Astros. I don't know the Astros and S they are playing for anything. They got the Guardians. So they got teams that are, you know, are gonna want to go into the postseason on a mm. roll. So I'm I'm not entirely certain that uh you know, I'm not entirely certain that that that's necessarily the case. Adam Bernardin from Winnipeg. You've been talking about how this could be just one of those years for Bo not having a good season, which actually Bo looks like it's not going to be one of those years for him. But I know what you're getting at. So in looking at Brios being the way he has this season and given his track record prior to joining the Jays, could Brios' season just be chalked up to him having a bad season? Kevin, I think, kind of talked about this. He is not... I think there was a perception out there when the Jays signed Jose Barrios that they were signing a younger Max Scherzer, or they were signing a guy who was well, going to be. They were signing one thirty-one as well. Yeah, they were signing, but again, one thirty-one over seven years. Still one thirty-one. Yeah, but it's it's basically what Hyunjin Ryu is making 131. per year. Uh, it's what it's one more or less. Oh no, it's not, what is it? One thirty-one. Anyhow, how much is it? It's a little more. Right. Like, but the point is. Uh, Per per season, it's not outrageous for a number two or number three starter. It's just is not. he a number two? Has he ever he, been a number two on a good team? Uh, he's ever been a number, been a number two on a good a number two team. In the what's twins. his ERA career wise? But this 4. is 2. this is what I was getting at. He he is not a guy who is going to go out and give you an ERA of just over two and strike out three hundred. He's 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 not going to do that. His strength. Is he's going to give you innings? He's going to give you a chance, and and on a team with a good offense, he's going to give you a chance to win. Um, but having said that, and I and I do keep getting back to this. Another point, Mister Barker made: the Jays win games that he starts. They do by and large, but it's, but it's, it's whatever that's it's says. tough. It's tough, but <laughs> you got they win games. I mean, sixteen quality starts. That's nothing to sneeze at. I I I just. But I guess what we're getting at is. See, first of all, I here's my my thought about Jose Brios. It is going to, and I hope this doesn't happen. Although I'm afraid it's going to happen. Mm, it's going to it's going to drive us all nuts if we're talking about this for the rest of his contract. Mm. I've always said this about multi year contracts. I, especially with pitchers, I presume that you're going to miss one of those years because of injury. You're going to have one year where you're going to stink, and you're going to have one year Man. where you are really they gave, they good. They gave him $131 million. You're gonna if, have, he does, if he doesn't pitch in the first round, would you be mad? No. There you go, then. That's all you need to say. Stop saying anything other than that. Like, there's something wrong with his season that we're not mad that he ain't pitching in one right. of those three games. Right. That's, that's I think, what you're trying to say. Yeah, I, I'm not. Is, is it's, and how do you fix it if you're him? Like, his fastball gets hammered. But that is my. How do you fix it? And I and I know I'm going to say this, and you're going to roll your eyes and say that's what that's what people who don't know about anything about baseball say. But I'm also going to I'm going to trust the uh, I'm going to trust the pitcher, and I, and and, I, and I'm going to trust the stuff, and I'm going to trust the athlete. I just am. Uh, I'm not concerned by whatever happens with Jose Barrios this year because he will have a good year at some point. Maybe this is his bad year, and and I'll tell you this: he's going to be hurt. He is going to be hurt. He is not going to pitch. Every season of that contract. It's just not. It ain't happening. So don't worry about it. I know that sounds bizarre. 
But, uh, yeah. Andrew McEwen. You don't sound confident. I am. I, I, over the life of the contract? Yeah. He's going to be fine over the life of the contract. What, this well, isn't going to be definition a, a, of fine. He, he, will have, he will have a couple of years where he gives you 200 innings okay, well, at least. He's he will have one year where he's really good. This is a stinker. Right? Yeah. You can, you, I mean, uh, you, how many do you get in seven years? Probably two. Well, here's, here's his first one. Yeah. Right. one but I, yeah, exactly. Wow. Exactly. I, I mean, just look at the again. Look at the look at the history of a lot of these a lot of these contracts that guys like Brios get. I this I'm, is, this is not a, this. It would be great if the first year of the deal wasn't this. I'm not saying that this is optimal. I'm not saying this is wonderful. I'm not even saying it's okay. But I'm saying it's kind of not. Well, what it's done is your hundred thirty-one million dollar man is your number three starter starting next season. That's what that is. Okay. Uh, uh, fine and simple. Fine. That well, was fine. How much are you paying Gossman? A hundred. Not one hundred and thirty-one. Is he your number one next year? Well, I mean, it, you could flip a coin between the first okay. two guys. All right. But it is it is possible that Alec Manoa is your number one next year. Uh, no question. So then, are we going to criticize the contract given out to Gossman because he's not the ace? No, he's not, he's you, not coming off. A you stinker. are. You are. You're giving out these big multi-year. It's right in front of you. You go by years. You're giving out these big multi-year contracts to these guys because you think they are going to give you innings and that if they give you innings, they're going to be good. Anyhow, Andrew from Wyoming, Ontario. You wanted the last word there, didn't you? You're damn right I did. (laughs) Is Manoa with the Jays for opening day 2003? Is Kirk or Jansen not with the Jays? 2023. Or are all three with the Jays? Wait, wait, I don't understand. He's saying are there, are all three of them going to be here who? on opening day? The all, catchers. Kurt no, Manoa. No. Not a chance. Uh, not a chance is strong. It's always a chance. Or Mano- Moreno, I meant. Yeah, Moreno, Kirk, or Jansen. Not a All three. Well, I want to say not a chance, but there's a good, strong chance that no. that They need stuff. They need quality depth that maybe is not out there that you would have to trade for. Astro's got a bunch of that. They might need a catcher. Hmm? Yeah, they don't play in your division. Hmm? I mean, it might be a good place to if call, I'm, pick up the phone, and go. Hey, I got one for you. Now, Do you I, like it? The, the schedule is going to be a little more balanced next year. But you're right; it's not not in your division. Here's the thing: if I'm if I'm trading Alejandro Kirk, I'm trading him out of the American League. Uh, just out of your division. I, he terrifies you in a playoff. At bat. Yeah. Just terrifies you. Oh, here he comes. How will we do it? Really? No, no but I, I just... So why would you do that? I, Maybe not in, in the American League East. You wouldn't right. want to do that. Because how would you get him out? Pat Smith wants to know about our thoughts on Pitchcom in loud playoff environments. He sees Romano cupping his ear frequently and can't help but think, how the hell is this going to work bottom of the ninth in a playoff game at That's Rogers That's why you want home field advantage. Well, it's still going to be, well, people are good. Yeah, but people are still going to be well, nutty smart. loud in the bottom of the ninth. Son. But Pat, it's a good point because I've seen, and he's done it at home. He, he has. has done it at home. Yeah. I, I, I you don't I want don't. to turn it up so loud with, with, so people can hear it. That's why. That's yeah. why they're cupping it. They want to turn the volume down so they can, they're the only ones that can hear it. Because if you do turn it up loud, people around you can hear it. Yeah, even with the, that's even with the, the crowd. Point. So when you see the cup, that's not always because of the crowd. 
It's yeah. because of the volume's not too loud and they don't want other people to hear it. And, and I wonder if maybe we're not going to see the Jays only with Romano only use Pitchcom when there's men on base. It's just funny that Barrios used it yesterday. Or didn't. Used it, but didn't use it. Used right. it when he only had to use it, which yeah, was it, all the time. And <laughs> it was. <laughs> yeah, because it was a yeah, I, I don't people know. on base. I think, I, I, I mean, I haven't talked to, I wonder if there are guys who are still not entirely comfortable with it. I've thought of that the more I've watched games because I've seen, I, I've seen guys have issues with it. I've seen teams still go to the, the fingers a lot. I just wonder if there are guys that maybe as the, as the season's gone on and the games have become more important, maybe your default position is to kind of go back to what you, what, what you're used to. I don't know. You got so much pressure on you. Maybe you like things the way they were. Um, Ralph Preston, after Brios's latest attempt to stripling, not pitching ahead of him in the playoffs. I mean, right now you have to say he is. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Wyatt Bailey asks, Kevin, do you think this run by Bichette? Do you think this run by Bichette has made him the type of guy you could you could sell high on? He Ooh, and Moreno could get you someone so. like you're, if you trade. You're not going to trade him and Moreno in a package. You he said he could so. get you someone like Alcantara. Uh, you're, I don't. I mean, the trading Bo Bichette thing might be over. I think that's as much as it ever was a thing. And, and let's keep in mind the only reason we were talking about that is because we were going along with the idea that the Jays were in on somebody like a Juan Soto or something like that. That's the only reason you would think of moving. Sometimes you don't know what moving, you got until it's gone. Bo Bichette. Yeah, and I, that's a little of that for me. I think with Bo. Yeah, there's a on my to-do list. That's probably number fifteen. Trading him for a number five starter. I mean, I don't I, – I like Bo. That's my point. Yeah. Uh, trying to get a sense here of what people are people are thinking about our question. I think – I think people – I get the impression more and more people kind of kind of get the home field advantage thing. And as a couple of people pointed out, look, it can't hurt economically too. Three home gates, maybe. That's going to help, but it's about winning now. They're going to make their money. Yeah. Yeah, you're saying you know three home gates might uh, help. Yeah, three home gates absolutely. might. Yeah, a couple of people have said wouldn't wouldn't the attendance help you know help you if you wanted to go after players in the off season? Not really. You're not sure going to make your, enough money already. Yeah, you're not going to make enough. You're not going to make enough money on three home gates that it's going to necessarily uh, you know it does it's it's not going to make you any more likely to sign Jacob Degrom. Let's put it that way. I mean the. It certainly doesn't help. And ownership, to, ownership likes making money. Have but. you ever walked up to a player and said, would you rather play at home or on the road? And they said, I'd rather play on the road. Never heard anybody say that. Ever. Unless I've never you, heard Unless it. you're a dude being booed at Yankee Stadium. On the text line, Kevin from Whitby, I don't have enough confidence in Barrios save Manoa for the playoffs. That's your other thing. Um, JC in Burlington. The Jays are a Manoa loss from getting swept in Tampa. Maybe tone down the playoff rotation and concentrate on getting there. You're negative on a Friday. No question. But talk to us on Monday (laughs) because we might be there. We might be there with you. We might be there with you. They got some sleep. 
Justin from Stainer says, I'd base it on how Stripling and Barrios look in their next couple of starts. If they look good, I go for home field with Manoa. If they look bad, I keep Manoa. I, for the I think Barrios is so spotty. How, how would you, even if he has a decent start, how would you say, boom, next start, he's going to dominate? There's no chance you could say that. Is there? No way. I would so also, I'm, not, I'm not on that. My, in that camp. my guess or my sense, maybe. my sense too, is you would probably want, you would probably want knowing how John Schneider stresses communication. You'd probably want your guys to know as soon as possible what the plans are. I, I, the, the pitchers understand that things can change from day to day. Uh, obviously the standings are going to have an impact on things, but I think you would, the fact that John Schneider said what he said publicly yesterday suggests to me that he's already had a discussion. He says they talk all the time. With, no with, with the people starting that pitchers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They've already had this discussion. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping John is smart enough to not entirely tip his hand. And that's my guess is that the, 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 the plans are a lot more detailed and there's been a lot more, this is plan A, this is plan B, this is plan C. Than we've, um, you know, than we've, and we've been thinking about uh, than we than we've been thinking about. Um, Brian McFadden, why are you guys implying that John Schneider is the one who actually decides who is starting when? Because I, I think he does I think, a lot. I think not maybe, all the time, but I think he does a lot. Maybe Brian is living in fear of the khakis, the khaki terror. Uh, they give their opinion, I'm sure, but. I think there's a strong opinion when it comes to the manager. Oh, yeah. I think it's, you know, if he ain't going to be the manager next year. It's not because he didn't do it his way. Yeah, we kind of, mm-hmm. I mean, we've done, you've done a little poking around. And I think that, how can I put this politely? I think John Schneider is more likely to tell somebody in a khaki to shove it than Charlie Montoyo was. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's poor. shove it up your dockers. <laughs> shove it up your khaki dockers. I mean, that's about that's it. Nice. That's about that's as tactfully nice. as, as tactful as I can well, put it. That's right? Not, that's not. That's, I, how you, I, that's how you end the show, right there. I, I think. I think John is probably I'm a little more comfortable. No, I'm serious. I, I think he's a little more comfortable. Thousand percent. And he might have delivered it with a little more bedside I'm sure, manner. I'm sure. Actually, no, he may not have. He may not have. Mm -hmm. We got time for one more. Andre G. Eh. Okay, this is, now I kind of like this. That I'm still undecided who should pitch a decisive 162, but here's the thing. Who is your most dominant pitcher? For me, the kid is a beast, and I would bet on him winning in in, in any stadium. I would keep him and Gossman for the playoffs, you stripling in game 162 and still like my I'm chances. I'm going to say I, I agree a thousand percent. I just think they got a better chance of scoring more than yep. four runs at home than they do on the road. But I it's like not what, about but the I pitch. do like what Andre. I, I do like exactly, what he's saying. He's exactly right. I do like but what he's saying. It's about both. Yeah. You know the start. The two starters are going to give you a chance. You, you're banking on that. Yeah. No matter where they're throwing. Yeah. For me, it's the offensive side of the ball. How can you get at least four or five runs? Four or five? Ain't, three ain't going to do it. And the Jason, Four or five. And, and it, one of the things Buck Martinez talked about a couple of times, the Jays have had, 
They've had some droughts at home, man. They have not been an offensive juggernaut at home. Yelling and screaming. That's the thing. They that's, haven't that's been an the, offensive that's juggernaut the, at home. I take my chances at home, but, though. I, but no, but Andre is I, I've that was the flip side of the equation that we were thinking about Andre too is okay, you don't have a home field, but well, I got Mano and Gossman re- gone. I, I got I my re- two horses. I'd rather going. see Romano flipping that slider after that song than I would on the road. Just to say it. Because you know you're going to see yeah, him flip the slide. Well, you know, well, absolutely. But I'd rather see him doing it fired up. Yeah, that's me. Maybe it'll break more. I'm still looking at. Can't even I'm cross still, my fingers. I'm still thinking about Passon's article on the lockup. Uh, I mean, great. you can't. Under, any, you can't anytime you can, any, Zimmer, anytime you can interview me, Jeff, you can't do that. Look over at me. Woo-hoo. I mean, did you? You never had a walk-up song, not right? Not a chance. Not a chance. I thought you said, wasn't this, didn't you have a song, I never Dumb, said, I Dumbest never, Walker or something that like that? That was high school when I was really, oh, was well, high I, I did it both sides, Jeff. Threw a one-hitter and hit a homer and won, won nothing. Well, you did refer to yourself as the redneck Otani yesterday <laughs> in high school. You did refer to yourself as that. Uh, you're such a... I wish we had uh, managed to tape record. Kevin Barker <laughs> describing a Friday night. Yeah. After Going Kevin, after Kevin had hit a home run and tossed a one hitter, and he said, called himself the Redneck Otani, and then going cruising <laughs> around the town, starting Who out of the cruise. I, I, we all cruised. In the 80s and 90s. That was when gas was cheap. Starting oh, out, yes. starting out in the McDonald's parking lot. Oh, you were big time though, because you had a Kmart in your town, so I you did, could cruise both. through the Kmart, or the Kmart lot. No question. Where all the hot cars were. Yeah, we won. We won. Look over here. Ah. <laughs> uh, I wonder if the Jays will do that if they win tonight. Probably not. 7-10 is the first pitch tonight because it's got to be a different time every night. We'll have first pitch right here on Sportsnet 590, the fan, and, of course, on the TV side on Sportsnet, Jays and Rays, game two of a four-game series. We'll be back on Monday. We'll be doing Blue Jays talk on Sunday. Have yourself a great weekend.